January is Black History Month across the nation, and here in Atlanta, really the, the birthplace of African-American-owned business, political, social, and, and religious institutions. And we are uh, joined today by Reverend Dr. John Vaughn, who is the executive pastor at one of the, uh, the nation's most iconic and and beloved churches, Ebenezer Baptist Church. You're right in the heart of Sweet Auburn and Sweet Auburn Avenue, which was uh, the, the birthplace of the black American middle and, and upper class so more than a century ago. When you go to work every day, are you, are you ever hit by just the tremendous sense of history of everything that's around you, not only in the homes of Ebenezer, but in the Swing Auburn neighborhood surrounding it? I have to say it's it's not a not every day. I think it's more moments. And look, you can't you can't but feel it when you are oftentimes on Auburn Avenue and you look up at the blue sign outside of our church. And which really is so iconic. I mean people come from all over the country to, you know, in the world to take their pictures with the sign and it and it tells you kind of what it means and what the church you know what this what this means to the country and what it means to the globe you know as a home for the spiritual home for social justice um i think what's you know the other one of the other moments i i kind of feel it is in conversations with many of our elders you know we have people who grew up right alongside Dr. King, who went to school with Dr. King Jr., who, um, those that were very close to Daddy King, you know, and, and, and people who were part of the civil rights movement. So you hear through the stories of people who are in the congregation. And so I'm also, I'm, I'm always struck by that. And it's a, it's a reminder. And, um, I'd also add, you know, on the day to day, it's, it's a church. You know, it's a church that has a mission. It's a church that has a, a thriving membership. And so I think that's exciting. Um, but I think there are those moments, like when you see the sign and you're in conversations with our our leaders and with uh, members where you really begin to feel and to see it. And, um, and certainly, you know, there are moments certainly on Sunday, you know, when we talk about being an urban-based global ministry dedicated to individual growth and social transformation. We're saying it every Sunday, and so it's it certainly comes it certainly comes through. But I would say in a day to day, it's a it's a it's a congregation that is committed to doing what churches do, both around spiritual development, but also for us in terms of community engagement and action. Can you remember your first memory or your first recollection of Ebenezer or the King family? What, what, what memories do you have? So it's kind of funny. It's um, it's less it's less my memory, but it is um, it's a story that my mother used to tell me. So my my parents met in graduate school. My mother was getting her PhD at Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts. And my dad was getting his PhD in physics at Boston University. And my mother used to say that, and my dad died when I was very young. 
uh, about two years old. But my mother used to say that my dad used to play ping pong with Martin Luther King Jr. Um, when he was at Boston University. And so there's, you know, this kind of interesting, funny, you know, memory that's, you know, in our family story of, you know, my dad playing ping pong with Dr. King in graduate school. Um, I think the other, I think for me is, and I think it's, 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 it's seeing, it's more of the visuals of the civil rights movement. Um, you know, I mean, the visuals from Birmingham are just vivid in terms of the fire hoses and the dogs and the bombings and, and, and then, and then really seeing the front of the church, pictures of the front of the church of Ebenezer in those younger days, um, where I was still, you know, still trying to figure out what was going on in the world. But those, those are some of my earliest memories. Now, Ebenezer, to my understanding, was founded originally in 1886, making this the 137th year. But is this where you're at right now, is that Ebenezer's original location or has it relocated? So we still we still own the historic we still own the historic building across the street. Um, we lease it out to the park service, who then takes people through tours. But we own the we own the building, and then next door to the building is our education building, which we also still own and we still utilize. And we're actually in the midst of we're launching actually a capital campaign that's going to allow us to do a major renovation to that building to really bring it into the 21st century. But the place where we worship now and where our offices are, are across the street at 101 Jackson and uh, the the Horizon Sanctuary, which was the, the church that was built, um, was in, built and entered in 1999. And uh, Pastor Joe Roberts, who was the pastor at that time, was the one who really shepherded that. And then when Pastor Warnock came, they then built the Martin Luther King Sr. Um, Community Resources Building right behind it, which is our, which is where our offices are located. Now, for someone like for someone like me who has memories of Dr. King Sr., Danny King, who was he was just universally known and beloved, and yet, do you believe that younger individuals? who are growing up in the internet age, the social media age, do you believe they have a full understanding of the history, not only of, of Ebenezer and Auburn Avenue and Sweet Auburn Avenue, but of the overall civil rights movement in general? Or is that something lacking in today's youthful population? Well, I think people have pieces of it. You know, I think people do, you know, there's a, there's a knowledge of civil rights movement. There's a knowledge of Daddy King and of the church. And so I think people have, and Dr. King Jr., but people have pieces of the history. But I think that, you know, part of our opportunity as a church is to continue to teach the history, to teach the history, not just of Dr. King Jr. and not just of Daddy King, but even Daddy King's you know, predecessor, the Reverend E.D. Williams, who was his father-in-law. And, 
in many ways, the work of social justice is really built into the DNA of this congregation. It is, and and it's and it. We feel it's incumbent upon us to continue to remind people of that and to teach that. And so, I think it's important to continue to, you know, find ways to teach and to tell these stories so that people begin to understand the breadth. We'd like to say that you know Dr. King Jr. didn't just materialize like in Montgomery. He really came out of a context, and it was a context that was the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, where he really grew up and helped shape him, his mother and father and those that were in our congregation really helped shape who he who he was and who he became. And and also I think the reminder that, you know, he also just didn't materialize in Montgomery, like the the, the civil rights movement did just snap into existence in Montgomery, that there's generations of folks who were organizing um, and doing unbelievable grassroots work that before him that really laid the foundation for it. So I think always, we always have to be teaching. We always have to be educating about the history of our congregation, of the civil rights movement, the sweet Auburn community. I think it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing, um, an ongoing task and opportunity. Now, obviously, Ebenezer has the history with uh, Danny King's predecessor and, and the man himself, Dr. King Jr., Asper Warnock, now a United States Senator. But I want to talk more about your background. Your title is executive pastor. Senator Warnock's title is senior pastor. Who's the boss over there? Oh, Dr. <laughs> let's, let's be clear. <laughs> Reverend Dr. Raphael G. Warnock is the senior pastor, and he is the boss. And uh, but what's what's been what's been good about this situation for us is that we are very different people. Like he is the public theologian, he is the visionary. You know, he is the one who really sets the direction for the congregation. My my job. I'm the implementer. I'm the one who takes it and and really helps us kind of figure out how we make it work. You so know? you're the man who really gets things done. Well, that's, that's what I, that's what I, that's what I aspire to be. Yes. <laughs> so, and that's, and, and I think that that's, it's, it's been working. It's been working. It's a good, it's a good working relationship. And, um, and, you know, I think that sense of complementarity is important for not, you know, both the work that we do, but I think it's also beneficial for the ways that the church continues to grow and develop. We are focusing this month on ATL Vault quite a bit on uh, Sweet Auburn Avenue, which has seen some economic ups and downs. Uh, one of the buildings, 229 Auburn, has been listed as a place in peril by the Georgia uh, Historic Trust Foundation. You obviously interacted and work with the Auburn Avenue community on a daily basis. What are your thoughts on the, the current situation there in Auburn Avenue? And what would you like to see it become over the next five to 10 years, say? So one of the things I think that's exciting to see is you're seeing, you're seeing 
organizations, particularly community development organizations, are really beginning to um, really to make some progress around buildings, around economic development. And so you're beginning to see some of that come to fruition. Um, I think that uh, what I would like to see, though, is a an even more visionary plan for the next five to ten years around what we can do, not just along Auburn Avenue, but certainly in the Sweet Auburn community. And I think it's it's beginning to coalesce. I think it's it's just taking some time. And I think part of it has been, I think, in in a situation where you have this investment, it takes a while to find your sea legs as institutions. And then say, okay, so how do we come together and kind of figure out some collective vision for a community? And and so I think we're beginning to see some, we're seeing some signs of that through folks like at the Sweet Auburn Works, or through some of the other development organizations. And we also recently have started a conversation between National Park Service and the King Center and really looking at how our three institutions can begin to create a what is the vision, our collective vision for the future for our institutions and our footprint here? And really beginning to think about, you know, not just how do we bring the physical plants into the 21st century, but looking at what are the program, you know, kind of additional programming can we begin to do? And also look at our own history and archiving. So in ways that we can continue to tell these really important stories and and so people can do it through multi-sensory experiences. One of the functions I interviewed earlier uh, for this month's February 2023 edition of ATL Golf was Damon Mitchell, who's over at the Atlanta Preservation Center. And and he, he mentioned Atlanta has had a lot of major events over the past 10 to 20 years, but we also have the college football championship coming up in 2025, and then the uh, uh, World Cup in 2026. And it's just going to be a tremendous opportunity for folks around the world to really become immersed in Atlanta's history. Do you feel like these kind of international events that, that draw the national and the world's media attention is, is helpful to what you're trying to accomplish there at Ebenezer and Sweet Auburn, or does it it doesn't simply gloss over some of the history and in a purely romanticized notion. Well, look, I think it's what you do with it. What do you do with these opportunities? You know, I think if you let the opportunities happen to you, then, you know, then there's ways in which things could get glossed over because their agenda is not, their agenda is to do the World Cup. Their agenda is to do the national football, you know, the national football championship. So, you know, that's what their agenda is. So I think for us is how do we utilize this as an opportunity to really tell tell the stories that need to be told, to platform the stories and and to get and to use these opportunities also to draw the resources that continue to kind of build us for the 21st century and be able to leverage this for uh, the ongoing work. So I think it's what you, you know, this stuff can, it can be easily glossed over, but if you allow it to happen to you, I think we're in a position where I think we can 
we can be more proactive. We can be proactive in terms of these opportunities and really see them as as ways to teach. Because folks are going to come here when they when they come to Atlanta. They're going to come here, and so we want to be ready for when they come. And so hopefully we can both leverage this opportunity. Maybe it leverages additional financial investment. Maybe it leverages different you know, intellectual investment and, or different movement investment. Maybe it, it helps leverage our own commitments to social justice that, that help, you know, help shine a light on issues like mass incarceration and voting, you know, that, you know, normally we wouldn't. So I think it's, it's, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily see them, you know, it's, it's essentially one thing or another, but I think the question is, what do you do with these opportunities? You know, and for us as, and how did, as us as a congregation, how do we step into these and use these as opportunities to educate opportunities to, you know, for us as a church, know the love of God, you know, that it is unconditional, is inclusive, and it's for all. So I think it becomes a great opportunity for that kind of engagement. There are so many topics that we can talk about. You just mentioned a couple, um, one of which regarding mass incarceration. And from what I understand, all the way recently, you returned from a forum on mass incarceration. Tell us a little bit about what some of the thoughts, observations, solutions, that you and who and the other folks who attended this forum talked about it and developed. So this actually grew out of a vision that Pastor Warnock had um, probably about 2017, 2018, and wanting to find a way to coalesce faith voices around this issue of mass incarceration. There, you know, there's good work that's happening in pockets, but how do we as faith communities really find our voice around this? And so in 2019, June 2019, we actually launched a conference, our first conference, and launched the multi-faith initiative to end mass incarceration and really focused on how do you get congregations engaged in this work? How do you, um, how do you support congregations to be involved in policy work? And how do you support, how do you, how do you champion efforts to change the narrative around the way that we talk about this in a way that, that draws attention and builds public will around uh, reducing the number of people that are incarcerated. And so this conference really was an opportunity to bring both faith communities, but those directly impacted by mass incarceration, formerly incarcerated, family members who have people who are incarcerated, faith leaders, pastors, you know, some folks within the legal community. We, the first day we looked at, you know, so what's going on? You know, what's our, what's, what's going on in this issue now? Second was to look at, so what's the work that's happening to address this? And then third day, we really looked at, so what's possible? What, what's our vision for the future? And so you're seeing a lot of work that's happening around restorative justice, which is alternatives to locking people up like there are other ways there are other opportunities to move people um needed to address consequences and then where people need help they need to get into into drug treatment or they need mental health you know 
that we we give those we provide those avenues versus just immediately locking people up. We're um, focused on we doing record restriction work. You know, so you've got people who have you know who haven't been able to get on with their you know who have been who who have found barriers from jobs to housing because just even a minimal arrest record, not even a conviction record, but an arrest record is on your, and so trying to seal these records as a way to help make people eligible for for jobs and for being able to adopt family members. And then we are, we are also um, in this work um, engaging in bailouts as a way to really talk about how cash bail actually punishes poor people. Uh, you know, because remember, bail is about Bail is about not that you're guilty. Bail starts to, and the way it starts to work is it's it starts to work in a way that presumes guilt before you're innocent, which is different than our understanding of what the legal system. And, you know, so really trying to you know shine a light on this and the ways that it disproportionately affects poor people and people of color. There are so many issues that I would love to have just more time to talk about. I, I think we can have a three- or four-hour conversation on all the issues facing us, but obviously we don't have that kind of time. We are ramping up this edition uh, for February 2023, focusing on Ebenezer Baptist Church, Sweet Auburn Avenue community here in Atlanta on this edition of podcasts and articles on ATL Vault on Atlanta News First with Reverend Audrey John Vaughn, executive pastor of the historic uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church in downtown Atlanta. Share, if there is one thought, one observation, one opinion, regardless of, of the topic that you would want to share with all of our viewers and listeners, what would that be to wrap up our conversation? Well, I think a, I think a deep commitment to the beloved community that is a sense of a community that is radically inclusive a community that that doesn't take judgments but accepts that meets people where they are you know both as a part of community and if there's help that is needed then get the help that they need um, but i think the importance of uh working towards working towards that that sense of radical inclusion and a commitment to the common good. Um, can't you know? For us, can't be a Christian by yourself. You can, but it's not a very deep Christianity. You know, it is much. It is impactful. It is much more impactful and transformative when you are in community. And so, that that I think is. Uh, I would if if folks heard nothing else, that would be certainly one of the things I would want folks to leave. Well, we hope everyone hears that wonderful message, and we are ramping up thanking Dr. John Vaughn, Senior Pastor, I'm sorry, Executive Pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church. He's a man who actually gets things done rather than the Senior Pastor anyone else in Ebenezer. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Bye, everybody.